everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker, and I have a really good episode for you today. We have an extra guest in here today. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the son of Michael G. Daniels in here today, Carlton Daniels. I will be referring to him as Chad because that's how I know him. Mm -hmm. But uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, Good uh, good afternoon, and thank you again for always uh, hosting uh, the, the program, and uh, it's just great to be here, and uh, hopefully that we can um, discuss some things today that will be a benefit to all the listeners. And uh, Chad? What's going on, everybody out there? Um, you know what I'm saying? You might know me from the keyboard player at Enoch Baptist Church. <laughs> uh, you may know me from, um, you know, Virginia Beach Police Department, uh, so forth and so on. I'm just happy to be here at CB. Thanks for inviting me. Um you know, it's not every day that you get to, you know, you get to sit beside, you know, somebody that you admire and uh, somebody you strive to be like. Um, a lot of people don't get that experience. But see, me, I've been blessed to, to, to be able to live with that person who I've always aspired to be like and have aspired to, uh, you know, to, to continuously try to impress and uh, continuously try to, you know, show, uh, um, you know, that I'm a good product. Uh, you know, of right. the uh, you know the thirty-one years, you know, you know, so uh, you know, I'm I'm just happy to be here today. So um, we was all together one time, and we were sitting around talking about topics for a podcast. I said, you know, what would be a great topic would be um, discussing y'all, you all's relationship. And Chad, I was talking with you. I said, how did it? How was it growing up as a pastor, as your father? Mm-hmm. You know, and you it was like, man. So I wanted to get that on, capture that on, on audio and also on camera. So how was it growing up with a pastor as your dad? Well, you know, like I said, man, you know, a lot of times, um, you, I think a lot of people have a, it's a stigma, you know, of what they think a, you know, a pastor son or a daughter may go through. And uh, in some cases, it may be true. I don't know, but I just know for me growing up. Um, like I said, you know, I've always had a a father as a father and a pastor as a pastor. And what I mean by that, it was like I didn't know Pastor Daniels as Pastor Daniels. I knew him as dead. You know what I'm saying? So like growing up in the house, you know, we never had lectures about, you know, what Romans chapter nine. So, says. He, so he wasn't walking down behind nah. you with a Bible. No, 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 no. It was never, you know, thou shalt not and none <laughs> of that. You know, it was just strictly, you know, just living with a regular dad, you know, with a father. You know, when I saw him in church, you know, I mean, I still saw him as dead, but he was in a different light, of course, as a pastor. Uh, but then at home, I mean, he was just dead. You know, right. it, it won't, it, it won't a whole bunch of, uh, you know, preaching. Actually, it was no preaching at all. It no, was, no preaching. No, no preaching. So, uh, Doctor Daniels is. So you didn't. How did you incorporate? I know you had to incorporate some of the things that, from the Bible into your into raising Chad. How did you incorporate that without it coming off as being preachy? Well, you know, I, I think that. It, any parent ought to incorporate the Bible, you know, in the parenting scheme, uh, because I certainly got to always recognize that our creator knows more than we do about how to rear his own creation. So, for example, you know, the, uh, the Bible says um, fathers 
uh, don't provoke your children to wrath. In other words, you know, don't do anything that causes your children to be angry with you. Uh, and, and a lot of times people think that's hard to do, but it's really easy. And so what I try to do is in if I'm going to punish, you know, my children for anything, always make sure the punishment was fair. You know, it was, it was never harsh punishment, um, but also always gave them at least one slip. You know, everybody deserves one mistake. So I would always let them make one mistake. And then once they made that mistake, I would say the next time, this is what the punishment is going to be. Right. And, and so we would agree upon the punishment. And so the next time we did it, we didn't argue about it. I didn't change my mind. It was straightforward. We had already agreed. We're going to lay it down. So it was always fair. So the, do you agree that it was always fair? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, it was always fair, you know. Not, not to say I, that I wasn't falsely accused for stuff <laughs> that I didn't do, right? You know, uh, well, not, I'm not gonna say falsely accused, but I accepted blame. A lot of stuff, you know. Uh, Katrina would do a lot of stuff, you know, and then uh, she wouldn't fess up to it. But right. somebody had to fess up to it, or else everybody go down. Right. So you know, I was always that one falling on the so, sword. So you, so you sacrificed yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, somebody got to do it. Well, that shows that he he absorbed the Christian principle, right? Right. Because somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody sacrificed there. Right. I, I will say this, you know, um, as, as a parent, never would both of them get punished if I didn't know who did it. So okay. it's not like I would have punished both. I just would always say somebody is going to be punished. So somebody better fess up. Mm-hmm. So you would so you would fess up to save Katrina. You know what? I would fess up just because. Okay, for like for instance, and that, this is really the only time that it happened. I can remember. Yeah, it was only one time. <laughs> it was only one time, but it was a one hundred grand candy bar. Okay. Right now. Uh, and it belonged to, you know, belonged to Pastor Daniels. And um, I didn't eat. It was 100 grand candy bar. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, that candy bar came missing. Now, that candy bar was in his drawer in the um, kitchen. Everybody knew, even to this day, like, you know, you, you always know what drawer kind of belongs to, you know, my dad. And, you know, you're not really, you're not supposed to go win it, period. Right. And uh, so, but I just remember it was a 100 grand candy bar. I don't know if you ever had one of those before. You ever had one, yeah. Okay. See, now, this happened probably about when I was in elementary school, okay? Now, I didn't know what a 100 grand candy bar was, tastes like until middle school, okay? Gotcha. So, this 100 grand candy bar got missing. And then it was, all right, both me and Katrina got brought down, you know, and it was, I. Somebody took this candy bar. Chad, did you take it? I'm like, no, I didn't take it. Right. Because I knew I didn't take it. Right. Katrina, did you take it? No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't take it. I, I don't know what's going on. I already knew it wasn't me. Right. So I knew it wasn't my mom. It was Katrina. Okay. She wasn't fessing up to it. Okay. So I remember talking to Katrina. I said, listen, you got to tell them you did this. But, you know, she, nah, 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 it wasn't me. So me, see, this, I'm thinking that everybody already suspected me because it was a candy bar. And I was the one that liked to eat candy. Right. So I was like, you know what? Everybody already think I did it. Everybody probably saying I did it. And if I don't say I did it, then it's going to look like I'm lying. Right. But I really didn't do it. Gotcha. 
But so I just went ahead and said, you know what? I did it. Katrina got all scot-free, okay? So what, so what punishment did you get? For? You know what? I really don't remember the punishment. I just remember being scared because I, I knew I was going to get the punishment. So, mm-hmm. so what was the punishment, uh, Dr. Daniels? He just had to write that I will not steal from my father. So, again, that's my point to you. You know, you wouldn't have confessed to something you didn't commit if you thought the punishment was going to be grievous, <laughs> you know. Right. Because your thought is, now I know the lying punishment is greater than the stealing punishment because that's how it was. If you lied, it was greater. But I, did, I was not a corporal punishment parent. So, you know, it, I I think the last time I probably spiked my kids when they were like four or five years old, but just right. a little tap or something like that. So it was always... So, so you wasn't a, uh, wasn't a belt wielding... No, no, no. It was writing. You're going to write. You're going to write a hundred times, you know, this, this kind of thing. Right. Uh, because as a parent, my thing was not about punishing you, but correcting you. It was teaching you more so than right. anything else. And, and so I wasn't really trying to inflict, inflict pain. I was trying to teach you. And so I found that uh, spankings did not teach you how... What spankings do is teach you how to hide. <laughs> that's yeah. all it does. Uh, but if I'm trying to help you learn something, you know, to me, that, that's, that's, that's a better tool. So which one would you rather have? Would you rather have the, the psychological warfare? That's really what Pastor's over here talked about. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather just had it, just, just give me the pain right now and be, let it be done? Which one would you have rather had? Well, you know what? I can't really remember which one I would have rather chose. However, I can't remember this. See, because like I said, you know, my dad never, he never did the, the um, you know, the physical pain. You know, that right. was always, you know, Sister Daniels, you know. She was the <laughs> one that had the belt. You know, she was the one leaving the marks on everybody. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not not sweet first lady. Listen, sweet first lady <laughs> had a sweet right hand, okay? Mm-hmm. And that right hand had that belt in the jack, okay? Uh, yeah, I can tell you. I remember one day I come home from work, and the next door neighbors are standing in their driveway looking up at Katrina's room. And when I turn the car off, I can hear Katrina screaming. So I go upstairs. I close the windows. Because <laughs> I don't want somebody to call Child Protective Services. Listen, wow. That, so, like I said, like, since Daniels was the one, okay? But I, I don't know. It was just kind of weird because, you know, when my mom was around, it was like, okay, you know, we can do whatever. You know, we get home from school. You're chilling. You're watching TV, getting something to eat. You know, you're doing whatever you want to do. Right, my mom's right. there. But as soon as you heard that garage door open, you knew dad was home. So it was automatic. Okay. You hearing up, you either you vacuuming the floor, you you start washing dishes, you just do something to look like you that you're busy or that right. you have something to do. So that when my dad walked through the door, you wasn't looking idle. You know, you was looking like you was doing something. Mm-hmm. So that, like I said, that although, you know, it wasn't you know, he never delivered in the uh, physical punishment or whatever the case was. You know, you still kind of made sure you was you was right. You know what I'm saying? You still, you know, you was, at least looked like you was you was right. <laughs> right. Right. You know. So do do you think that by him being a pastor of a church and then trying to guide really volunteers and then him seeing, going through things that other people are doing or not doing that he wished they would do, did that correlate and help him in raising you? 
and what made him be more disciplined, a disciplinarian, and having you living in that that type of environment to where you know what, mm-hmm. you know, my dad's coming. The garage door is open, open, and it's time for me to get right. You, you know what? I think that uh, I don't. I just me, cause like I said, I don't know. I don't know how how my dad did things or saw things from his perspective. But for me, Dr. Daniels is completely separate person than dad. Completely different. How so? Like, I never looked at my dad as Pastor Daniels. I know he's Pastor Daniels. I see him in church and he growing up, you know, my whole life, he was the pastor of a church and I get that. And, you know, it's like his calling, that's his job, you know. Right. But I think is it the same way as when he looks at me or either you, you've known me for a long time. Even when you look at me, you probably don't see Detective Daniels or you don't see, you right, know, police right. officer, you know, Daniels. You just see Chad or CD or whoever. Right, right. So it's kind of the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he, he, he never just like I never, you know, uh, bring the the law to my friends and say, well, you know, well, we did have about six drinks, so you ain't supposed to drive when we leave here. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. I ain't never said that to nobody. It was the same thing. Like, you know, I never uh, got the biblical aspect of, you know. So he never sat you down and was like, you know, in Proverbs. No, nah, no. So that never happened. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Now, like I said, now I learned a lot about the Bible just because I grew up in church. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, and I paid attention, you know, I paid attention. So, me growing up in church, and then, of course, if I had any questions about the Bible, and even to this day, like my dad would tell you, I, I call him all the time. And I'll say, hey, I say, hey, dad, you know, and I, again, I still say, hey, dad. I don't right. say, hey, pastor, right. you know. I say, hey, dad. I say, well, I just want to clarify something, you know, and, you know, I, I was thinking that X, Y, Z, I'm thinking this, and it's a biblical question or a religious question, however you want to view it. And I will always ask him those questions to clarify things that, you know, I may have read or may have heard or whatever the case is. But, yeah, but growing up, no, we never got sat down and was preached to. But, of course, I knew about the Bible from growing up in church. Mm -hmm. And so if I ever had questions about, you know, things that I've, you know, may have heard or, or, or that I didn't know how to interpret from the Bible, I would still go to him and ask the question. So it was just kind of like, you know, I had a father that knew the Bible versus right. I had a father that who was a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Right. I understand completely. So, Dr. Daniels, is there anything that you wish you would have done better or improved on in raising your children? Well, I, I think like most parents, the, um, the problem with being a parent is you don't learn until it's too late. Right. <laughs> you right. know, because, right. you know, you don't really get it while you're going to school. And so it's, it's on the job training. I, I think the probably the only thing that I would have changed, uh, I think my basic parenting skills, you know, uh, were a combination of my mother and my father. And I, I think I learned well from them. The only thing I would have changed probably is um, I saw myself as being a provider, you know, a provider, mm-hmm. which required me to be gone, you know, away from the home a lot. So right. I think that's that's probably the only thing I would have changed is that I would have spent more time, you know, at home as opposed to um, being gone. You know, I worked, worked full, two full-time jobs at one right. time. Right. So um, in addition, one of the jobs required me to travel a lot. So I was always, you know, 
uh, 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 out of the state, you know, things like that. So I think that would be the only thing I would change. Uh, but I would say this. Um, oftentimes people get the impression that, you know, I'm a harsh dis- disciplinarian. Um, uh, actually, I don't know how, you know, my son and my daughter view it. Uh, but if you compare what they went through to most, you know, other children in our community, I was really pretty liberal, actually. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like it was a harsh thing. Right. It was that, you know, here are the rules. And, we, you know, give, for example, um, I had a rule. My One of my rules said, if you're not in the house by 11, this was, you know, during school nights. Right. If you're not in the house by 11, then I'll see you the next day. So, uh, so during a school night, they had a curfew at eleven o'clock. Right. Wow. So, and that, that, that is it, very liberal. Right. So it wasn't like I was, you know, be home before the sun come up. You right. Know? It was be home by eleven, or uh, the, the issue was not school. See, that wasn't the issue. The issue was I got to get up at six o'clock and go to work. Right. <laughs> and so it was because of that. Don't wake me up. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, I want you to be in the house mm-hmm. so that when I go to sleep and I set the alarm, I don't have to wake up. Right. So now if you come home after 11, you just can't come in the house. You just stay where you are, sleep in the car, do what you got to do. You stay where you are. Now, some people might call that harsh, but my thing was as simple. Hey, you have a right to break the rule. Right. If you break the rule, you suffer the consequence. Yeah, That's all. That's true. So I thought 11 was pretty liberal, to be quite yeah, honest with you. It, it is. It's very liberal. So is there any instance where this actually, you actually missed curfew and had to spend the night outside in the streets? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yep. And like you said, I mean, I, I knew what the rule was. You know, the rules you had to be back at a certain time. Well, you had to stay outside. So what, so what time did you get back home? You know, I don't remember. I just remember it was outside the time, you know, allotted to get back in the house because I knew right. the alarm was set. Right. And I knew I wasn't going to try to open the door and set the alarm off and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then, you know, this at this at the time, you know, I had a car, I had a loud exhaust on it. Right. So I remember coming to the neighborhood and, you know, I turned the car off, man, put it in neutral and kind of coasted all the way down <laughs> <laughs> to the house. I sat in front of the house and I was like, well, you know, I got to be out here, you know, crying the seat back, you know, try to go to sleep. You know, it's hard to sleep in the car when you ain't used to sleeping in the right. car. You know, you sleep in the bed, you know. So then I'm, I was like, man, I got used to bathroom. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, it occurred to me, you know, okay, we well, just go in the backyard. I ain't think about that. So I'm like, man, I got to, I'm thinking, where can I use the bathroom? Who was open this late at night? It was probably about like two or three in the morning. Right. And I was like, oh, you know what? It is a 7-Eleven up the street. And I know they, you know, they got the bathroom. So I was like, man, I got to start this car. And I knew it was loud, but I just went ahead and started it, you know, and uh, drove to 7-Eleven. You know, got a little something, you know, something to eat, something to drink a little bit, used the bathroom, came back. Stay in the car for the rest of the night. On seven o'clock, came around the next morning, and I was able to get inside the house. And it was all good. Did you hear the car start back up? I heard, actually, I heard him when he came, and I heard him when he left. Wow! But the, the, the rules are the rules are the rules, and so so would that so would your reaction have been different if you did not hear him come back home and he was out? Mm-mm. No, because. Here's how I viewed it. And, and I know there's some folk that probably say, man, that, that's kind of hard, but it's life. You right. know, and here's my, here's, 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 here's what my viewpoint was. Let's say for the sake of argument that something happened 
at four o'clock. Let's just say that he, you know, he got, he, he 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 was dead. Now, not that I would want that to ever happen, but let's say he was dead at four o'clock. Would he be less dead at seven o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. So what difference would it make? <laughs> oh, oh man! So what difference would it make? Whether I found out at four, or whether I found out at seven. <laughs> okay, so. Now again, I'm just saying. I know some. There's gonna be there's gonna be some folks that say, you know what? I'm not gonna listen to another podcast based on what he just said. But I'm oh, just saying man. the reality of it is this: when I go to when I go to bed at night, you know, and I pray for my children, and I guess that's the real context of it. When I pray for my children, and I do this every night, I haven't stopped, even though they are grown. I put them in God's care, and since they're in God's care. He can handle it much better than I can. So why should I worry if they're in God's care? And again, that's a biblical principle. You know, um, Job, who was, you know, one of the uh, uh, one of the patriarchs in the Bible. That's what he did for his children. He said, I'm praying for them because just in case they did something wrong. I'm, I'm in prayer for them. There's nothing you can do but put them in God's care. If you're going to put them in God's care, there's no need to worry about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Pastor, you you got me with that one. You that that one was um, mm. so good thing, uh, Chad, that he wasn't dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so, <laughs> so now so now you ask yourself this. Now so you know Savannah. Let's say Savannah sixteen seventeen. Right. And you tell her she need to be home by you know ten eleven o'clock, or else that's it. <laughs> now now what you gonna do? And Savannah decided that she that she want to stay out. Man, so this is uh, so it's about a good ten, twelve years from now, right? Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, I've had ten, twelve years of like Enoch Baptist Church and Pastor Daniels <laughs> pumped into me by then. But right now, all hell go break loose. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So you gonna take the Sister Daniels approach? Right, be the Sister Daniels approach, like. No, mm-hmm. you know. Now I will say, I, I feel like I would be the type of parent though that it does take two to tango in a situation like that. So if she was out with another boy, I'm not gonna be that one father that takes it all out on the male mm-hmm. because the female you had to know you breaking the rules mm-hmm. to go do you know do mm-hmm. what you're gonna do. Now, you know, and I've heard stories you know from my wife, and which I ain't gonna get into details with, but. Well, how she stayed out late. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. You know, right, so right. I'm not, and I told her, there ain't no way mm-hmm. in, you know, I told her, there ain't no way in hell this is going to happen in the Baker household. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I told her. And she would just laugh and say, well, just wait. I said, I hope she don't get yep. your, um, because I never tried to sneak out. She got the Sherry McLean in her. Well, you <laughs> see, that, that's the thing. You, you, the sneaking out is, is an issue depending on how your parents deal with you. Right. See, and that's why you don't want to, that's why the scripture says, what, don't provoke your children to wrath. Because you don't want to put your children in a place where they feel like they have to sneak out. Now, I'm not saying that they, they won't, but if you lay the consequences out up front, if you lay them out up front, if you do this, that's what, this is what's going to happen. Right. And let's say they do stay out late and, and, and you come home, you know, they come home and then you're in their collar and you're smacking them around. Do you really think that's going to change what they did when they was out there? Right. All they're going to do is check, do it at a different time. 
So, you know, if they went to the hotel and just left the room at 3 o'clock, well, they can still go to the hotel and just leave the room at 10 o'clock. Yeah, good so, point. So it's not like they can't do the same thing. So the issue is not, you know, that's why to me the issue is not, well, let me just lay you out. The issue is let me teach you something. You, right. know, you need to learn something from what you're doing. You need to understand why I'm doing it. Because sometimes we as parents are doing it because we, don't, we feel like you're disrespecting us. Like, don't disrespect my house. Right. You know, that's really what you're mad about. How right. you disrespect my house coming in that late? Well, yeah. okay, let me come in, in the morning then. I'm not disrespecting your house. I'm coming in early because I right. came in 7 a.m. So, you know, our thing often is, what were you doing between the hours of 12 o'clock midnight and 7 a.m. in the morning? Yeah. Well, the very same thing you were doing between 5 p.m. and 12 o'clock. Yeah. Because if I was in a hotel room, that's why I'm out there late, I've already done the deed. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good point. So, you know, I'm just not, now, please understand, I'm not advocating, you know, um, not being a parent. I'm not advocating letting your children run wild. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you teach your children, and the Bible tells us, teach them the way that they should go, and they won't stray far from it. And so that's a principle I think we all have to apply. Teach them. You teach them, and they won't stray far from it. You can beat them all you want. If whooping a child would change behavior, you would only need one whooping. That's true. But then, but doesn't um, a hot stove teach many lessons? Teaches me to hide. It teaches me not to touch that stove, but don't teach me to stop cooking. That's true, but it teaches you how to cook. So to speak. No, it just or what not to do when you're cooking. Right, that's all it does. So I'm just saying, for example, uh, does getting locked up keep you out of jail? Well, I would say for some, maybe. No, for because most people, most people in jail, this ain't their first time. That's true. So locking them up didn't keep them out. What would what would have what would have stopped them from going to jail is to educate them so they would have the tools they needed not to go back. So, um, Chad, so do you, being in law enforcement, do you feel to have the same thought process on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of the people that I have arrested, because, you know, I, I did a stint in warrants, and that's all I did was just pick people up in warrants. You know, shout out to, uh, you know, twin. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's all I did was just pick people up. And, um, and yeah, most of the people that I've picked up, probably a good nine out of ten, almost all of them, you know, were had been to jail before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it definitely wasn't their first rodeo. So is it is it the do you think it's because the first time they went, the stigma is off. Now I don't really care anymore about going there or, uh, or the fear of the is that do you haven't taught them anything. Mm-hmm. Locking you up does not teach you anything. Mm-hmm. All it suggests to you is that I need to be more careful the next time. You know, but it doesn't solve the problem of why you went there in the first place. Right. And it's the same thing about child rearing. You know, if, if every time a child does something, you spank the child, all it teaches a child to do is to hide and lie to you. You know, but if you try to explain, most most people don't want to harm themselves. That's You can take that to the bank. Right. Most people don't want to harm themselves. So if you can explain to your child 
just like the Bible explains to us why God wants us to do certain things, if you can explain to your child why their actions is harmful to them or to you, you see, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I think for the most part that my children respected me and treated me a certain way also because they did not want to harm me because they realized what I was doing. They realized how hard I worked. They realized all those kind of things. Right. So they didn't want to harm me because that, that's, those are the way, I, in the terms, I would explain things to them. Right. Uh, either how it was harmful to me or how, how it would be harmful to them. So if you don't want to harm yourself, you know, you won't do it. You know, if, give you, I'll give you a quick example. When, when Chad wanted to first said he wanted a motorcycle prior to buying a car, and I was trying to explain to him why you don't want to buy a motorcycle first. No, Dad, yes, I do. I said, this is what we're going to do. I had a Mazda B2000 truck. I said, get in the back of this truck. Mm-hmm. He got in the back of the truck. It was probably like 40 degrees. And I said, I'm going to drive home with you in the back of the truck. It was about, it was about maybe a mile from the house. Right. Now, we get home, I said, now, how'd that feel? Well, of course, he was... Pretty cold. Right. That's how it feels riding a motorcycle in the wintertime. You need to buy a car first. Right. Now, he still bought a motorcycle, but he got a car first. Mm-hmm. So you remember that vividly? Mm-hmm. Was it, how cold was it in the back of that uh, truck? Man, it was cold. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. how do you, Pastor, how do you think it would have been different if you of raising uh, Chad and Katrina if you had not been a pastor? I don't think it probably would have been a, a lot different because um, my, my parents um, were extremely different in the way they raised us. My mother was um, whoop first, ask questions later kind, kind <laughs> right. of person. My father um, was... It's after they divorced. He was less sit down and talk about it. So you know his 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 way of dealing with any issue was let's talk about it, explain it to me, tell me why you did it, and let me tell you why you shouldn't have did it. Kind right. of kind of kind of thing. And so I, you know I kind of use a combination of the two. Now I will say I was not as patient as my father. I don't think anybody is as patient as he was. Uh, but I was certainly not on the other other spectrum either. So I think I probably would have still been, you know, close to where I, you know, where I I was. Um, I wish I could have been as patient as my dad. And I was patient in everything except one area. The one area that I was not as patient as my dad was, was in education. Um, And and, in that, I was more like my mother in that I I really pushed them to do well in school. Now, I won't say that um, they always understood what right. I was trying to do. Right. That's what I pushed for. My father's viewpoint was different. My father would say, you know, simple. He'd say, listen, somebody got to pick up trash. Somebody got to, you know, be on the French fries. Right. You know, somebody got to do that. So he was like, if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. Just make sure you do it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. Right. My mother was different. It was, you're going to bring them grades up or I'm going upside your head. <laughs> you know, right. it was just this simple. So for me, my thing with them was this. A and B students can shop in the mall. C and D students going to Roses. Hmm. So how often do you send Roses? Uh, probably since about 11th grade. <laughs> 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 I ain't start picking my grades up until I got the car. Yeah. You know, my, my father bought me a car. Then it was, if you don't keep your grades up, you're taking the car. Right. And so then that, that was the game changer for me. That right. was like, okay, well, listen, you know, 
I got to keep this car. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I, I like being able to, I mean, come on, you know, this is your first car. You know what right. I'm saying? So everybody, right. you know, you know, all your friends was rolling, man. And so, you know, you had to have a car. You know, if you didn't have a car, then, you know, you you you, you was just whack. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that was a game changer for me. And um, so how do you, how do you plan on if you ever have kids, how do you plan on being what kind of father you plan on being? Well, you know, it's. Uh, you know, I really never gave it that much thought. It's just because, you know, I really don't, you know, <laughs> see myself, <laughs> see myself having no kids. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, that's 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 not my Calling right now, right? You know, that ain't my calling within the next three, five, six, seven, eight years, right? You know what I'm saying? But I will say, um, you know, if three, five, six, seven, eight years, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, <laughs> but you know, if I had, um, you know, just say, you know, hypothetically, you know, I would definitely lean to my father for advice, um. You know, just because, I mean, I just think that, you know, he did a good job. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, not just not just only because of where I'm at now, because, I mean, really, I really wish I really uh, I wish I would have listened to him a lot more being older, seeing how things are, you know, what I'm saying in life in general. Uh, I wish I would have listened to a lot of stuff that he said, because I'd probably be in a different place, not necessarily gonna say better, uh, but just in a different place, um, you know, financially, I mean, just in general, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, better is relative, but I think that it would have been better. But I mean, so yeah, I would probably just lean to him and, you know, just get advice, but I probably more, you know, do more of the things that I've seen him do. Right. And raising a kid. Now, so sis is not Iyana fixed my life. <laughs> I'm not gonna dive deeper into that one. And I apologize for the podcast listeners because you know I pride myself on asking deep questions, but I'm not going <laughs> to go any deeper with that question. Um, right, that well, one, go ahead, go ahead, now go you, ahead. Now you, people just gonna have to just come up to Chad at church <laughs> and ask him the follow up questions to some of the things he just said. Well, come on, man. Let's so. Go. Man, get look, get the people what they want, man. <laughs> get the people what they want. Come on, man, let's dig deeper. But the everyday straw with Dr. Michael G. Daniels is not for that type of format. Okay, right. So, as a whole, for both of y'all, what advice would you give new parents, even you know older parents with teenagers that's coming up, like they're hitting their teens and the daughters are starting to flex their muscle a little bit. The, the males are starting; they, they're getting taller than the mothers now, and they're looking at them like, you know, what are you going to do to me now? So, what type of advice to this new crop of generation of kids that people are raising? I would say um, you have to remember what you were. You know, I, to me, one of the biggest mistakes I think parents make is they remember who they were and make it a negative rather than remembering who and what they were and being more flexible, you know? And so, I, you know, I recognize that I didn't do everything my parents wanted me to do. And I didn't expect my children to do everything that I wanted them to do. You know, I 
you know, uh, bent, bent the law quite a bit when I was a, a teenager. Right. And so I expected the same thing from my children. And did I want them to do it? No. But I wasn't going to just, you know, blow my top because they did it either. Right, right. Uh, and I think if you can do that, it kind of changes things a little bit. You know, you, you figure when you're a teenager, for example, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that there was some young teenage girl that you ran behind. You know, right. and so to expect your daughter not to also have some teenage boy running behind her is really not realistic. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so you got to look at it in that light. And, you know, and, and like you said, you came home three, four o'clock in the morning at one point and your parents right. didn't yell at you. Right. So the same thing. They may come home three or four o'clock and give you a story right. that you'd be like, no way I'm going to buy this lie. Right. But it might be perfectly Acceptable, maybe perfectly true. I think that's what you have to do. You, you have right. to just remember that you know, if their behavior is age appropriate, right. don't get upset. That any advice from the outside looking in, and really from what you're seeing in law enforcement, you had to be running across some things like common threads with people. That you say, mm-hmm. I wish, you know, families would do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, because especially now, because, you know, I work uh, in a domestic violence and missing persons unit. Right. And uh, not necessarily so much of domestic violence, but missing persons, we run into runaways all the time. That's the majority of our workload, you know, uh, 13s, 17-year-old kids that want to run away and you talk to them and it's because, you know, they don't get along with their mom or they don't get along with their dad or this, that, and the third. Right. Um, I mean, I can't really offer too much necessarily advice to, to, the, to the kids. I mean, just in law enforcement in general, I think that it has um, a lot to do with parenting in general. Uh, it's just parenting all the way. Uh, and like I said, I can't I can't speak on the parents or how they need to parent. You know, whatever Dr. Daniel say, I think they should follow. Uh, but it's just parenting. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, you know, I grew up in uh, middle school and high school and whatever the case is. And, I, you know, I've listened to, you know, the, the, the Bone Thugs and, the, and you know, right. and the 50 Cents and Jay-Z's and all that. And the third. And I've been around, you know. That crew, you know, I've had had friends in high school who was committing felonies and right. who was doing this and who was doing that in the third. So it's not necessarily all about the society that you're in. I mean, although, you know, Grant, I mean, I grew up, I had a pool in the backyard, you know, the basketball goal and went to Western Brand. So I'm not I'm not saying I grew up in the hood. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that if in my opinion, just from. What I see in my job, it all falls on how the parent, parent, how the parent parents the child. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So is it is there any type of resources out in Virginia Beach that that parents can reach out to and their child, you know, with the families and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything at the church that we, you know, that we offer that help in situations like that where you have a child that wants to run away and they're coming, you know, they're coming back in the family to actually help mend that? Well, we do offer, you know, counseling services um, for for both, you know, parents, child, and also for, you know, family counseling. Um, but parenting, uh, you know, has to begin before the child is born. You know, it really is. A, it's, right. it's, it's, it's not a now let me start. Uh, but if you if you are, you know, weak in your parenting skills. You you got to know your children, and and oftentimes parents don't want to know their children. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know about their child, what they think their child should be. Uh, but that's not necessarily who your child is. Right. You know, if, if your child is, is you know, is uh, happens to be, um, you know, doing heroin or, or, you know, smoking pot or whatever, you got to know your child, you know, you, you, you know, and, and if and you got to know why your child is doing the things that they are doing. Right. You know, and so rather than, than just being angry and yelling and screaming, Got to try to figure out and understand why they did it, you know, right. and what they're doing and where they're leading. You know, just like my son said, you know, he didn't grow up in the hood. Uh, uh, I didn't grow up in the hood per se, right. but it was so close you could spit at it. All right. <laughs> right. And, 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 and most of my friends uh, are ex-felons. Many of them, when I say felons, many of them are convicted of murder. Convicted of um, money laundering, convicted of, um, of course, being drug kingpins. Right. You know, you know, uh, you know, extortion. You know, those kind of things. Federal time and state time. Uh, and 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 I was a part of that crowd. You right. know, but the difference was as being a part of that crowd. I also understood that that was not my career. Right. You, you know. Now I could have I could have been caught. Right. And, and serve time. But I said that that was not my career. Gotcha. And so for them, it was a career move to, to, to sell drugs. For me, it was, well, I need some new tires for my car. Right. You know, so I'm going to do this, but I'm still going to college, you know, kind of thing. Right. And so but, but it was parenting. Now, did my parents know I was doing that? Well, my father knew I was dealing in stolen goods. In fact, my father would say, can you hook me up? And, you know, <laughs> so right. so. Now, I, I mean, he condoned it. He just knew, hey, hey, you're doing it. So whatever, you know, if you get another TV, then bring it on home. Right. You know, <laughs> kind of deal. So, but but he tried to understand, and I think right. it was because of that. I got to a point where I didn't want to disappoint him, and mm-hmm. I think that was key. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to disappoint him. Again, you know, my mother was the same way. Because I didn't want to disappoint them, I stopped doing stuff. Right, right. And I was just going to say, if I think as a as a child or as a kid or a teen, teenager, whatever the case is, if you can get to the level where you respect your parents and value um, and, like, deeply value their, um, you know, their opinions and what you say, um, then you'll be able to, then that's, of course, what's going to get you that trust. And then also, um, you'll be able to tell the truth about everything. Right. Um, because he's like, it's just like, like when, when I go to my dad for advice, I look at it as the same way as going to a, an attorney or going to a doctor or something like that. Like, let's, if, if I have, you know, if, if I have issues, if I'm having, you know, uh, let's say concussion protocol, right? Right. In the NFL. And you know you just got lit up, right? And you couldn't stay on your feet. You couldn't hear anything for a couple of seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like you saw the bright light, whatever the case is. And when you talking to the doctor and they're asking you, okay, well, what's going on? You can do one of two things. You can tell the truth about it or you can lie about it. But if you tell the truth about it, uh, then that will give them a better understanding of the whole scope of what's going on right. so they can know exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it and what advice they can give to you and what they can prescribe you, whatever cases of your doctor, same thing if your lawyer. 
if you kill the person and you did kill the person, you need to tell them, tell the lawyer you killed them, how you killed them, and where you killed them. So that way, your defense attorney can say okay, and they can try to come up with a way to fix that as to you know and with their defense you know what I'm saying right. so they can make sure they have the best case for you and saying explaining why you were there explaining how you got this and explaining you know why this and that and the third and that's the same thing with my father like you know I think I've you know just from growing up and and with everything he's told me uh, when I go to him with advice I'm telling him the whole truth about everything because I know I have that respect, I have that trust, and I know that I can't get a exact, a specific, you know, remedy for the issue or advice mm-hmm. unless he knows the whole big picture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that, that that's what really, um, you know, what would really that, that comes me. with the trust factor too. Yeah. You know, cause a lot of times, you know, kids may not trust their parent, and this may sound crazy what I'm saying, but trusting your parent enough to be able to tell them everything, but it goes back to no, what you were saying. No, it sound crazy. It's true with most parents. Yeah. Because if I tell you something, let's say if I say something like this, tell me the truth. If you tell me the truth, I, I won't punish you. Then soon I tell you the truth, you slap me. Right. And say, well, you know you shouldn't have did that. Well, see, now I can't trust you because you just told me if I'll be honest with you, you're right. not going to punish me, but you just did. Right. And so the same thing. That's why with me, like, you know, when Chad talked about the candy incident, and the reason why he don't remember the punishment is because there was no real harsh punishment because right. I had said, tell me the truth and you won't get it. But I just want to know the truth. Now, had, it, had he fessed up like the first time I said it, there would have been no punishment. But right. it, it took a while. We had to go through the house. I had to find the rapper. I found the evidence. The evidence was in the wow. bathroom under the sink. Mm-hmm. And once I found the evidence, I'm like, so I know y'all ate it because he's a rapper. So I know, you know, but still the punishment was such that he don't even remember the punishment. Right. But, it, you know, but sometimes a parent you will say, I'm not going to punish you and then get mad and blow up and right. punish you anyway. And, and, and that's what causes distrust. So parents have to understand that Punishment is not always the answer. If you want, if you want your child to trust you, you got to do for your child what you would hope the police would do for you if you get caught speeding. Right. You don't want a policeman to give you a ticket every time. You want them to just say, "Hey, listen, slow down. I'm gonna let you go this time." Right. And if they do that, you start trusting policemen. And yeah. the same thing with parents. If we do that, our children will trust us. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, thank y'all so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chad, for joining the show, um, this episode here. And uh, Dr. Daniels, anything else you'd like to say before we close out? Well, you know, as always, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to uh, everyone that uh, we won't see between now and Thanksgiving Day. And uh, be safe, you know, drive careful, and uh, make sure that wherever you're going, you get there uh, safely. So don't rush. Take your time. Yes. And, uh, And we'll see you next time. All right, this is your CB Baker. Till next time.